Well, I didn't get this little book by J.C. Ryle fully read while I was in Michigan, but I will pick it up here back in Oregon, reading Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle, addressing the greatest challenges in a young man's life. We continue in the chapter called General Counsels to Young Men. And we're on counsel number five. Determine as long as you live to make the Bible your guide and advisor. The Bible is God's merciful provision for sinful man's soul, the map by which he must steer his course if he would attain eternal life. All that we need to know in order to make us peaceful, holy, or happy is richly contained there. If a young man wants to know how to begin his life well, let him hear what David says in Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Young men, I charge you to make a habit of reading the Bible and not to let the habit be broken. Do not let the laughter of friends, do not let the bad customs of the family you live in, don't let any of these things prevent your doing it. Determine that you will not only have a Bible, but also make time to read it too. Allow no man to persuade you that it is only a book for Sunday school children and old women. It is the book from which King David got wisdom and understanding. It is the book which young Timothy knew from his childhood. Never be ashamed of reading it. Do not despise the word. Read it with the prayer that the Holy Spirit's grace will help you understand it. It has been said, A man may just as soon read the scripture without eyes as understand the spirit of it without grace. Read it reverently as the word of God, not of man, believing implicitly that what it approves is right and what it condemns is wrong. Be very sure that every doctrine which will not stand the test of Scripture is false. This will keep you from being tossed to and fro and carried about by the dangerous opinions of these latter days. Be very sure that every practice in your life which is contrary to Scripture is sinful and must be given up. This will settle many a question of conscience and cut the knot of many a doubt. Remember how differently two kings of Judah read the word of God. Jehoiakim read it and at once tore the page to pieces and burned it in the fire in Jeremiah 36.23. And why? Because his heart rebelled against it and he was resolved not to obey. Josiah read it and at once tore his clothes and cried mightily to the Lord. 2 Chronicles 34.19 And why? because his heart was tender and obedient. He was ready to do anything which Scripture showed him was his duty. Oh, that you may follow the last of these two and not the first. And read it regularly. This is the only way to become mighty in the Scriptures. A quick glance at the Bible now and then does little good. At that rate, you will never become familiar with its treasures or feel the sword of the Spirit fitted to your hand in the hour of conflict. But store up your mind with scripture by diligent reading, 
and you will soon discover its value and power. Texts will rise up in your heart in the moment of temptation. Commands will suggest themselves in times of doubt. Promises will come across your thoughts in times of discouragement. And thus you will experience the truth of David's words, Your word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 And of Solomon's words in Proverbs 6.22, When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. I dwell on these things more because this is an age of reading. There seems no end to the producing of many books, though few of them are really profitable. There seems a rage for cheap printing and publishing. Newspapers of every sort abound, and the tone of some which have the widest circulation speaks badly for the taste of the age. Amidst the flood of dangerous reading, I plead for my master's book. I call upon you not to forget the book of the soul. Do not let newspapers, novels, and romances be read while the prophets and the apostles be despised. Do not let the exciting and sensual swallow up your attention while the edifying and sanctifying can find no place in your mind. Young men, give the Bible the honor due to it every day you live. Whatever, what you, whatever you read, read that first. And beware of bad books. There are plenty to in this day. Take heed what you read. I suspect there is more harm done to souls in this way than most people have an idea is possible. Value all books in proportion as they are agreeable to Scripture. Those that are nearest to it are the best, and those that are farthest from it and most contrary to it, the worst. Never make an intimate friend of anyone who is not a friend of God. Understand me, I, I do not mean... I do not speak of acquaintances. I do not mean that you ought to have nothing to do with anyone but true Christians. To take such a line is neither possible nor desirable in this world. Christianity requires no man to be discourteous. But I do advise you to be very careful in your choice of friends. Do not open all your heart to a man merely because he is clever, agreeable, good-natured, and kind. These things are all very well in their way, but they are not everything. Never be satisfied with the friendship of anyone who will not be useful to your soul. Believe me, the importance of this advice cannot be overrated. There is no telling the harm that is done by associating with godless companions and friends. The devil has few better helps in ruining a man's soul. Grant him this help and he cares little for all the armor with which you may be armed against him. Good education, early habits of morality, sermons, books, all he knows well will avail you little if you will only cling to ungodly friends. You may resist many open temptations, refuse many plain snares, but once you take up a bad companion and he is content, that awful chapter which describes Amnon's wicked conduct about Tamar almost begins with these words, But Amnon had a friend, a very subtle man. Second Samuel 13.3 You must remember we are all creatures of imitation. Precept may teach us, but it is example that draws us. 
There is that in us all that we are always disposed to catch the ways of those with whom we live, and the more we like them, the stronger does the disposition grow. Without our being aware of it, they influence our tastes and opinions. We gradually give up what they dislike and take up what they like in order to become closer friends with them. And worst of all, we catch their ways in things that are wrong far quicker than in things that are right. Health, unhappily, is not contagious. But diseases, it is far more easy to catch a chill than to impart a warmth and to make each other's religion dwindle away than grow and prosper. Young men, I ask you to take these things to heart. Before you let anyone become your constant companion, before you get into the habit of telling him everything and going to him with all your troubles and all your pleasures, before you do this, just think of what I have been saying. Ask yourself, will this be a useful friendship to me or not? In 1 Corinthians 15.33, evil communications do indeed corrupt good manners. I wish that text were written in the hearts of all young men. Good friends are among our greatest blessings. They may keep us away from much evil, reminding us of our course. Speak an appropriate word at the right time. Draw us upward and draw us on. But a bad friend is a burden, a weight continually dragging us down and chaining us to earth. Keep company with an unsaved man, and it is more than probable you will, in the end, become like him. That is the general consequence of all such friendships. The good go down to the bad, and the bad do not come up to the good. The world's proverb is only too correct. Clothes and company tell the true tales about character. Show me a man who lives with and show me who a man lives with and I will show you what he is. I dwell upon this point because it has more to do with your prospects in life than first appears. If you ever marry, it is more than probable you will choose a wife from among your circle of friends or their acquaintances. If Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram had not formed a friendship with Ahab's family, he would most likely not have married Ahab's daughter. And who can estimate the importance of a right choice in marriage? It is a step which, according to the old saying, either makes a man or ruins him. Your happiness in both lives may depend on it. Your wife must either help your soul or harm it. She will either fan the flame of Christianity in your heart or throw cold water upon it and make it burn low. She will either be wings or handcuffs, an encouragement or an hindrance to your Christianity, according to her character. He that finds a good wife does indeed find a good thing. So if you have the desire to find one, be very careful how you choose your friends. Do you ask me what kind of friends you should choose? Choose friends who will benefit your soul, friends whom you can really respect, friends whom you would like to have near you on your deathbed, 
Friends who love the Bible and are not afraid to speak to you about it. Friends that you would not be ashamed of having at the coming of Christ and the day of judgment. Follow the example that David sets for you. He says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep your precepts. Psalm 119.63 Remember the words of Solomon from Proverbs 13.20 He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. But depend on it. Bad company in this life is the sure way to procure worse company in the life to come. Love to my West Coast Wilsies.